0: Hello, and welcome to episode 251 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfor-Stewart. A warm welcome to Jennifer T., Carol J., and Barbara M., the newest members of The Modern Manager community. I can hardly believe I have passed the 250 episode mark. It has been such an amazing journey, and I have learned so much right along with all of you. So to celebrate my 250 episode, I am offering 25% off The Modern Manager Skills Accelerator. You can learn more about this program and how it can help you develop your Rockstar Manager skills at the slash milestone250. That link is in the show note, and the discounted rate is available until the end of April. There is so much support in this program. I really hope you'll check it out and join the community of managers who are investing in themselves and building strong, healthy workplaces. Now, today's guest is Sandra Holling. Sandra is a marketing systems and technology consultant who has a passion for finding smart, efficient ways of working so that you can let go of the hustle. Sandra is a systems expert on platforms like Notion and ConvertKit, but her real priority is helping you develop better work habits by achieving aligned productivity. That is to say, aligning your work with your values so you can feel calm, confident, and can prioritize what matters to you. Sandra and I talk about different approaches to planning and staying organized that work for different styles of thinking. She shares her thoughts on what productivity is all about and how to navigate differences in productivity approaches with your team, plus a whole lot more. Now here's the conversation. You're listening to The Modern Manager,
1: a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rockstar boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now here's your host, Mamie Canfer stewart
0: Thank you so much for joining me today, Sandra. I love talking about productivity, and uh, this is just going to be another fun conversation where I get to learn from you about all your different approaches to productivity and different styles and different ways that teams and managers can be more productive in a healthy way. Thank you so much for having me, Naomi. I'm happy to be here. All right, let's start with the this kind of what I would call is like the productivity frenzy that sometimes happens where we just are so hard on ourselves because we just feel like we need to be productive every moment of the day. And we need our teams to be really focused and really productive because there's so much to do and the to-do list never ends. And first of all, am I the only one who experiences this? And then secondly, <laughs> you know what, why, why do we do this to ourselves? And you know, what can we do to just start to like, give ourselves a little bit of space when we think about what it means to be productive? Sure. So
1: you're definitely not the only one. I'm sure everyone listening has had a frenzied moment at some point in their career. So the reason I think we do this to ourselves, there's a couple of pieces to it. But one in particular is that the way we think about work is actually coming from principles that have been in place for over 100 years at this point. Work and the pace of work have sort of evolved with technology, obviously, but the the day-to-day structure, this nine-to-five, 40-hour week, that's coming from a totally different industry. You know, when Henry Ford designed the assembly line and most workers were doing repetitive tasks, the workday looked very different and it was possible to do eight hours of work. And now most of us do knowledge work, the things that humans are good at, like inferring information and getting consensus on things and deep focus, like creative type work, whether it's programming or writing copy or whatever it is. Those are the things that we do now. And it's very, very hard for us to do that for the amount of time that most of us have designed our work weeks to look like, right? So there's this, we're kind of going into it from my perspective with a false premise that we're gonna be able to work at full tilt for those 40 hours. And that's just not how human bodies and brains are designed. So the first thing that I often offer is, and I realize this could sound rather dramatic depending on where you are in your journey with productivity. And that's on purpose because my goal is to invite a different perspective here. And also to create permission to have a little bit more compassion around how you're breaking up your day and your week and being intentional about the different types of work that you're doing. So some social work where you're having meetings, some, you know, admin work where you're being air quote productive, but it might be low level in terms of intensity. And then other windows where you're doing that more intense knowledge-based work. So like being more intentional with how we break it up starts to create both when we're planning a more realistic expectation, but also when we're reviewing what we've done, it, it creates space for us to see that all of those things are important. And what I find with my clients over and over again is that number one, they're not aware of all the things they're actually doing because they're moving so quickly from... Task to task to task, and a lot of the low hanging fruit that they do sort of automatically doesn't get counted in a way, and so then we end up just being even more hard on ourselves at the end of the day or the end of the week when
0: it's not really necessary. Oh my gosh, you said like five things. I want to, I want to like pull, pull. On. I know, go for it. <laughs> All right. So first, it never. I mean, I kind of like I knew the like Henry Ford story, but it never really occurred to me that we are just starting from a place of setting ourselves up for failure in the sense that we actually can't do eight hours of the kind of work that most of us are aiming to do. And I know when I use my planning app and it tells me I have like five and a half hours of tasks to get done today, I'm like, great, I can fill in like three more hours. And then inevitably, I don't get all eight hours of tasks Mm -hmm. done because you just can't do it. And like, taking a step back and saying, okay, maybe five hours is the right amount of tasks I should be scheduling in a day to give myself that space and calling that a win if I get five hours done, like that just feels really big and a a totally different paradigm of the way that we kind of consider a successful workday. So first, I just want to like acknowledge we don't need to get eight hours because maybe we just, that's just not humanly possible.
1: Well, and the other thing there too, Mimi, is like you and I are both self-employed. And so our day might look very different than someone who's a manager for another organization where they are not the owner. And so if you're like back in the day when we all went to an office, you know, pre-pandemic, you're in the building for eight hours, maybe. But are you actually doing knowledge work for eight hours? No. No. Like that's just not what's happening. So that's another piece of the puzzle too. I think with entrepreneurs, we we bring with us our old corporate days if we if we ever worked in a regular office job and sort of apply that to our business. And, and so that kind of like furthers this. And then the second thing is that you're spot on with the five hours. There's actually a lot of studies that show that we can do focused knowledge work for about three to four hours. And I find in practice with clients that last hour is like, the low-level admin of tying up loose ends and kind of leaving yourself notes and and wrapping up that focused window so that you feel good about the end of the the, the work session, so to speak.
0: Yeah, well, and that's the kind of the second point I wanted to pull out, which is to acknowledge the things that we have accomplished and that, yes, sometimes they don't feel so great and we might overlook them, like clearing out your inbox. But that actually is something to celebrate and to feel like success with because we did move forward, right? We are getting things done. Maybe it's not the like big project work, but to your point, keeping track of the many things that we're doing to keep our work on pace, not all of those are going to be big, fun, creative, exciting projects. A lot of those are just the things you have to do every single day to get your job done.
1: A 100%. And you hit on something really important too, and that's the idea of Celebrating Small Wins. And this is something I talk about all the time in my community because it's not something we're trained to do. But the reality is that big projects are made up of lots and lots of teeny tiny steps. And if we only ever celebrate the big wins, we're not building the dopamine and the muscle to take the teeny steps that actually create those big wins. So particularly if you have anyone on your team or if if you yourself have ADHD or another neurodivergent disorder, a lot of my clients do, that creates even more importance on this idea of celebrating small wins because it builds the self-concept that you can do hard things. You can do things even when you don't feel your best. And you can also like build into that the compassion where it's like, oh, I wasn't on my A game today. So I chose to do this other more simple task. And I still got a lot done. And tomorrow, hopefully I'll be feeling better and I can come back to this harder thing. And giving ourselves more room for flexibility also kind of it like improves that self-concept and builds in compassion at the same time.
0: I love that. And I know for myself, I have started breaking down bigger tasks, which normally I would just put like record podcast on my to-do list for today. And now I've started breaking it down into like Prepare for podcast recording, and then record podcasts, and then clean up podcasts and send to audio editor. Because each of those little steps, I get that little dopamine hit that you're referring to when I get to check it off my to-do list. And if I only make partial progress, if I have record podcast, finish recording podcast, then if I do part of that task but I don't get a check off the whole thing, it's not doesn't feel nearly as good
1: hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and there's some mindset stuff in there that we could dive into. But one of the things I want to highlight, particularly for the listeners who, like may have challenges with, with themselves, or like I said, neurodivergent direct, you know, employees, one of the things that I coach people around is this idea of taking your big projects and breaking them down into steps that you can do in 15 to 30 minutes. There are times when the step really needs to be 90 minutes, and that's great. And so then you look at the 90 minute step and you say, well, what's the beginning, the middle, and the end of this? How am I going to know that I've started it, that I've in it, and that I've done it? Like, what does done actually look like? That's another really good question to ask. Because when we give ourselves permission to break it down into those smaller steps, we also start to see whether or not like air quote record podcast is a doable task in the amount of time we're giving ourselves, right? That's one piece of it. But the other piece is, it's like you break down this process of of doing the podcast into a bunch a bunch of tiny steps and then midway through you get interrupted by something you don't lose your place in the same way if you've already done the planning work the executive function work of breaking it down in writing like not just in your head but out on a piece of paper or in a in an app of some kind it allows you to
0: jump right back in with a lot more ease oh i love that it's just like taking the time to put it on paper so you can kind of follow your own roadmap. Amazing.
1: Yeah. In our heads, we will just go in circles. Like I do it myself. I catch myself. Like I have to take my own medicine all the time on this. Like I'm a planner by nature. That's why I do this work. And I'll map things out in my head, but it's not the same as me sitting down and putting it all into Notion. Notion's my preferred productivity app. So breaking it down there, it's just a different, it's a different game when you can see it in air quote, black
0: and white. So let's talk a little bit about some different productivity styles or approaches because you mentioned you're a planner, I'm a list maker. There are like lots of different kind mm-hmm. of things that people like to do that help them stay productive or feel organized and then there are some people who have different preferences and like hate lists or hate project management mm-hmm. tools or whatever. So can you talk a little bit about different kinds of styles or comfort with different productivity approaches and yeah. techniques?
1: Yeah, so what I find more often than not is the people that dislike lists often have, if I can use this term, a slightly more feminine system, like they tend to be more mind map people, if you will, as opposed to linear thinkers. And we need both in the world. That's the first thing. So the I think it's really important that we remove the guilt and the shame and that we're really kind to ourselves when we think that way, when we think more like a spaghetti than a waffle, if you know what I mean, because the the world in at large mostly thinks and prioritizes and sort of puts on a pedestal, if you will, linear thinking but linear thinking does not always result in creative solutions. And it doesn't always invite curiosity in the same way that a more creative process might. So I think the first step is like permission for you to plan however works for you. Like that's a huge piece because often what I find is the clients who don't think in the linear way, they tend to kind of almost like resist the idea of planning it all because their their nervous system and their mind does not respond to the rigidity that comes from linear planning in the same way that like my mind does. Like I'm a spreadsheet database person all day long, but that definitely definitely does not work for everyone. So realizing and not to just present the binary, but I think there is kind of a binary at the top and then there are different options under the different categories. So if you tend to be more of a relational thinker, thinking in terms of mind maps can really be really great. And sometimes just creating this permission will then allow those people to become list makers when they realize the list doesn't have to be air quote organized or chronological in the way someone else's list might be. Another thing that I've seen work really well for people is starting on a blank piece of paper and writing things that you want to do or need to do sort of around the edge and by default your brain is likely to start grouping them like with like and then you can kind of start to create like little clouds of of pieces and and the value of doing an exercise like that is it can start to help you chunk down if you will what it is that you're working on and i think the challenge for the more relational thinkers is that they they can lose that flow and they can lose that satisfaction of being able to check things off because they are more inclined to maybe multitask or switch between things. And then because, you know, society doesn't support that way of thinking in the same way, they end up being hard on themselves when they're getting just as much done. So that's one thing I want to highlight. And then on the kind of more linear side of things, I think breaking things down, the chunking still matters, like grouping like with like. And then also the permission there is to like, be more compassionate with yourself when your plan does not go the way you think it will. My adage is like, no plan survives contact with reality. So the more buffer we build into our plans, the more likely we are to have results with them. And for managers in particular, one thing that is can be very real is that there is sometimes a schedule that you have with your external client and a schedule that you have with your internal team. And they may not be the same. And your job as manager can be to hold both of those so that you know where the actual buffer is. Because there is truth that deadlines, external deadlines motivate us in ways that other things just don't. So it's like building in buffer and permission on a lot of sides, I think is almost kind of the more important piece than the styles themselves. It's like permission to do whatever's working for you in the moment. And I guess that'll be the the last thing I'll say on this topic. It's just that it's not always the same. Like sometimes we get into our mind that like, I'll do this to myself. I'm a spreadsheet person and a list maker. And so that's always where I go first. But often if I'm feeling stuck on something, if I allow myself to use a different tool, like a mind map or a cloud or whatever, it'll unlock some sort of creativity that I, or a new idea that I wasn't gonna see by just going in this like chronological order. So it doesn't always have to be the same.
0: Yeah, and I feel like I'm the same way. Like my preference is definitely lists and have an organized system in that way and mind maps. I like I want to love them, but I just for whatever reason, I I try to use them and my brain just doesn't think in that same way. And so I'm I'm Mm -hmm. have a lot of empathy for people who are being told make lists, write out Gantt charts, and they're sitting there going, like, I want to do this, but my brain just doesn't work in this way. And it's not Mm -hmm. as comfortable. And that like it's okay do whatever works for you. And also, yeah, there are times where I do brain dumps and then sort things and then put them into my list because that kind of very tactical, very tactile using sticky notes and cloud clustering, like that kind of creative process works really well. And then I'll put it into whatever other system that works for me. So I like that you can be free with this and and not judge yourself. Mm -hmm. So let's, let's talk about this tension that can arise when you're... What you want, or kind of your preferred style, doesn't necessarily match with the way your team members are are working, and and I feel like as a manager, this is something that I have noticed when I have team members who really like when we have our project plan with all of our dates laid out and all of the tasks and everything's assigned and it's all in an Asana and we're just going, and then I have team members at other times where that's just like they get overwhelmed by looking at this massive long list of things to do and it's very hard for them. And so I'm wondering if you have any tips for how managers, whether your style is to be more organic or more structured or your team member style is one or the other, are there ways that we can kind of work together when our preferences might not be aligned? Yeah so i think there's a couple of pieces one in
1: particular is like realizing the best way to mentor someone to another perspective or point of view or through a difficult challenging feeling or situation like you, maybe you say the manager is the more linear and the employee is the more kind of relational thinker it's like number one is we have to meet them where they are right if we try to force our version of, of truth on them Not only are they going to feel not heard and not listened to and not seen, but they're going to feel this like extra that particular dynamic where the linear is attempting to air quote force the relational thinker to behave differently. They're going to feel a lot of restriction and resistance to that level of structure. When it goes the other way around, when it's the relational person is in the manager role and the linear thinker is beneath, the linear thinker is, they're not gonna feel the same like resistance and and restriction, but they're gonna feel very frustrated because to them, it's gonna be unclear what's happening. Right. So I think it's important to see that it doesn't matter which way it goes and that neither is correct or better than the other. It's just that there is a difference. And so meeting our direct reports where they are, I think is step one. It's like understanding, like seeking to understand what is working and what isn't working before we put our preference into the situation. I think that's step one. And then step two is to really ask ourselves, why do we have the preference that we do? And what is it that our preference is giving us that is important? Because it may just be that you need to know as a manager that your milestones are gonna be hit. Or it might be that you have confidence that they know all of the miscellaneous details that need to get done. Or maybe it's some combination or something else, but understanding what it is that we really need when it boils down and not just stopping at the point where it's like, well, I need it done my way. (laughs) Like that doesn't work, frankly. Mm -hmm. Like we managing, especially in modern, this like modern age we're in requires more of a dynamic approach. So meeting people where they are looking at what it is we really, really need. So like maybe in your example, maybe you needed to see the details in a sauna, but your employee, maybe she only needed to see the next week or the next two weeks. So particularly if you're using an online tool, most of the time you can build in some sort of filtered view so that the person doing the work, executing the task can see things in a way that works for their brain. It's one of the reasons I like Notion, to be honest, because it has such a flexible view structure and you can give pretty much everyone on your team their own little dashboard with their own view of the same information. And so some people they work better from like a kanban View And some people, they want the spreadsheet and some people, they just like, they don't want it to be organized at all. They just want a gallery of topics that they know are things that need to be done, maybe with a loose priority order or loose due date mentioned in there, but not forced so that they can pick and choose what they're going to work on. Because it's, it's really shocking to those of us who are the more linear thinkers to watch someone who doesn't operate that way. And when we give them the flexibility to pick and choose and move things in and out of their daily task list, that they're actually just like a bazillion times more effective in their role, both because they feel seen and heard and empowered, but also because they're we're working with the way their brain works. And we need these creative people on our teams. So empowering them to be their
0: best selves is I think where it's at, frankly. It's so funny because it makes me think about the metaphor of having like a really clean home and everything in its place and knowing exactly where everything is and then walking into like someone else's home where everything is kind of all over and you're just like how do you find anything and but they know exactly where everything is that like mm-hmm. if they don't see that as being messy they see it as being the way that facilitates their life and I feel like what you're yeah. saying is the same thing that. Trying to force someone to be organized in a particular way that doesn't work for them just creates friction and slows people down and lowers people's energy and makes them actually less efficient. And when you Mm -hmm. work with the way that their brain works, even if you don't understand it and it doesn't make sense to you, and if you were trying it, it would feel really inefficient. For them, it's exactly what they need to be at their best. Yeah, right. And that's our goal as managers is to put people in the place where they can do their best work. Yes. All right. So, let's talk about as we're wrapping up here, productivity tools and and softwares since we kind of started going down this path and I feel like it's something that a lot of managers either use or have tried using or want to use. So, you mentioned Notion as a great way to have a different view and kind of dynamic displays of information. Are there other tools or other things that managers should think about when they're considering bringing their whole team onto some sort of collective productivity tool?
1: Yeah. So there's lots of tools out there. And I think the key really is actually getting kind of consensus on what the team really likes and looking at the different features that they have. So some that are, I enjoy a lot. I think monday.com is really great. Lots of people really enjoy Asana and Trello. They are not my favorite. And this is the thing, we all have personal preferences, right? So looking, one of the reasons I like Notion is because of the flexibility. It just creates that space to be more flexible with your team. Like I can have my fancy timeline view, but I can also have really simple board views that I share with clients so that they don't get overwhelmed, but I can see all the moving pieces. Most tools these days have something along those lines, but it really is looking at What are the features that you feel like are going to work for you? And where does this tool fit into the overall picture of your business or your company? So... Like for some businesses, I think Airtable could be a better fit because it's more of a database. It's less designed to be a workflow management tool, so it has less features in that regard. But if you're managing a whole boatload of data also, it could be the better in-between tool. And then you have people in one system as opposed to multiple systems. So Airtable is, is one to consider. Notion works very similarly. I like it over Airtable because it has that blend between databases and actual pages where you have just prose, just written text. And those two things interact very smoothly in Notion. It's a very fluid experience. There's also more of a technical learning curve with Notion. So it's not the right tool for all teams, or you need to have someone help you set it up and optimize it to work for you and then teach you how to use it. There's a there's a learning curve with Notion. Another one that's kind of new on the scene is called Smart Suite. And it really is more of a workflow management tool. It works very similarly to Notion and Airtable, kind of a cross between the two in a way. And one of the things I like about it is they, the owner is actually funding the, the development himself and so there's no venture capitalists involved which means they are prioritizing development in a very strategic way according to what the user base wants as opposed to what the shareholders want and so they're definitely one to keep your eye on and i'm trying to think so those are kind of my top the top ones i think like airtable notion smart suite monday are kind of the ones that i go to first when people are asking. And and I'll say this too, like I, I want to answer that question because I think it's helpful to have someone who's well-versed in these things throw a couple of names out. But the the number one thing I see, because I do some notion consulting, the number one thing I see that throws people off when they try and adopt a tool like this is that you have to have defined process in order for the tool to work. If you try and adopt the tool and define your process at the same time, it's not impossible but it is definitely almost two projects that you're undertaking and that can get underestimated really quickly so it's something to consider in the midst of this is like are we clear about what the workflow actually is and what the handoffs look like and are we attempting to use the tool to help smooth that and if so making sure that we're using that information as part of the puzzle when we're designing and developing the tool in our in our organizations or our businesses
0: Oh my gosh, that's so important. And I have definitely seen teams struggle with using the tool as like a a plug and they're trying to figure out how to use the tool. They don't really have their workflows organized and their processes organized. And so they don't really set the tool up properly. And then it doesn't work so well it's and do what they thought it was going to do. And then it feels like a big failure and they stop using it, mm-hmm. which is super different than being really clear. And I actually did this with my assistant as we were, I was handing over some new tasks for her around managing my calendar. And the first thing we did was write out all the process steps and then put them into our system so that we were really clear about what the process was going to be and then how the system was going to support the process. So exactly what you're saying makes such a big difference.
1: Yeah. Having standard procedures is such a huge piece of the puzzle. And I think the key with standard procedures is like you wrote those, you did it in a a great way. You wrote it together with her, it sounds like, from the beginning. And now like my suggestion or what I tell clients is like, now she could own those processes. And if they change, it could be her responsibility to keep them current because you're no longer the one doing those tasks. So you don't actually have the best line of sight as to the little
0: steps that might be happening behind the scenes, right? Exactly. All right. Well, we have to wrap up. So Sandra, can you tell us about a great manager that you worked for and what made this person such a fantastic boss?
1: Yeah, it's funny. You know, I've been self-employed for so long. It's a hard question to answer. I've been had a proper boss in ages. But I did have this one colleague at a consulting firm. And I was such a green consultant at the time. And he was very senior and very well-known in the industry. And I had a little imposter complex going on, although I wouldn't have given it that label in the moment. And there was one day where we walked out of a client's office. And I think I was mostly just tired. But I made some comment about being glad that the next week, I didn't have any on site client visits, and I could like hide in my office and just do technical setup. And he started laughing. And he's like, Sandra, you're just entirely too good with clients. And like, that's never going to be the thing that you do. And it was really hard to hear in that moment, both because I like the technical setup, and I didn't want to let it go. But also because I couldn't see that for myself. And then years Later, I can look back on it and say that the thing that he did on repeat that was so valuable to to me as kind of this junior green consultant is that he held up the mirror and showed me what he saw in me, like on repeat, without hesitation, without criticism, very kindly so that I could sort of grow into myself in a way, like grow into the version that other people saw of
0: me. And that was such a beautiful thing. And it really meant a lot. Oh, that is so lovely. I love that. Something managers can definitely do more of. All right. And where can Mm -hmm. people learn more about you and keep up with your work? Yeah. So if you're
1: interested in like the consulting side of what I do, we're talking about Notion, you can find me at SandraFixMyTech.com. And if you're curious to learn more about what I do with productivity and uh, particularly if you have any members on your team who are ADHD or have chronic health challenges, I have a very low cost, fun little community That I run that help people be productive and be
0: kind to themselves at the same time. And you can find that at feelmoreproductive.com. Well, thank you so much. As promised, this was a super fun conversation and I learned a lot. Thank you so much for having me. I had a blast. Sandra is offering two amazing guest bonuses. The first is one free month to her membership community, Aligned Productivity which helps highly sensitive entrepreneurs and professionals feel more productive without the hustle or overwhelm that comes from traditional productivity. Most of the community members have ADHD, chronic health challenges, or have experienced past trauma that impacts their ability to work according to society's norms. The second is Sandra's best productivity reflection templates, including daily questions, a weekly review, a quarterly reset, and more. Both of these are available to all patron-level members of the Modern Manager community. To get these guest bonuses and many more, become a member at themodernmanager.com slash join. And if you work for a government or nonprofit agency, you get 20% off any membership level. Or join the Skills Accelerator, which includes a patron-level membership. And if you do it now, you get 25% off until the end of April. Go to themodernmanager.com slash milestone250 for details on the discount. All the links are in the show notes, and they can be delivered to your inbox when you subscribe to my newsletter. Find that at themodernmanager.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration, and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively, build healthy relationships with your colleagues, and move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit meteor.com. That's M-E-E-T-E-O-R.com.
1: You've been listening to The Modern Manager you're already becoming a rock star boss of a thriving team. I can tell. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player and join the mailing list at mamieks.com slash podcast. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S dot com slash podcast to get show notes and other special content delivered directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.